1: Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn. horror still in Amityville. Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes Low be Dog Man, howling in the street. I'm typically skeptic of what I see.
0: Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans. Thunderbird swamp thing. Is it real? I was wondering. Typical. Skeptic show. Typical. Skeptic show.
1: hey guys uh welcome back to the typical skeptic podcast i have another fact i mean today's guest is going to blow your mind i talked to this woman last night on the phone for about an hour before the show today and she just had like mind-blowing information she goes by solaris and she's from ethiopia originally um she wants to share with us today ancient anunnaki um eastern african traditions that are still being happening today like anunnaki rituals as she calls it and then also she wants to um we're going to be talking about like ancient um ancient religions like ancient history like genealogy and we're also going to be talking about uh, demonic possessions and exorcisms and like what these entities are and stuff like that so a little bit more about my guest Sol Reese, she says she's honored to be alive on planet Terra at this time with you. She's a longtime wisdom and truth seeker. Her journey has taken her all over this beautiful planet to experience world cultures, religions, and guiding principles over 25 countries, mostly with strong spiritual energy. Her genetic background is Ethiopia. Her cosmic threads are from the Sirius star system. Her heart is grateful for the alone Indian ancestors, elemental spirit guardians of the land she currently lives on. In the last 10 years, she's had to untangle a lot of religious, academic, and cultural programming. In doing so, she's found ways to reorient many limiting beliefs and also discovered the, sub- discovered the deep esoteric wisdom from many concepts that we've just simply absorbed from our families and environments. So, um, oh, wait, sorry. And, and, uh, and I want to welcome her to the show. Sol Reese. thank you for joining me. How are you?
0: Thank you, Robert. How are you? I'm, I'm wonderful. Doing great.
1: I'm great. I'm so excited about some of this information that you're going to share with the audience today because a lot of it is um, stuff we I haven't I don't think people have talked about before. You know, especially some of the stuff we talked about on the phone last night. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start, start about the the Anunnaki rituals and in, in South Africa? Is that where it was? South, where- it's
0: it's East Africa, and primarily it's in it's in the country of Ethiopia, and uh, so yes the. Anunnaki or beings that have been, uh, visiting us and some have been here for a long time. Uh, and I'm speaking about at least 300,000 years that the Anunnaki first came to visit planet Terra. Um, our earth has been involved with extraterrestrials for millions of years, but as far as the Anunnaki are concerned, I believe it's more around 300,000. And that's when, um, I believe the stories are that they came primarily looking for minerals to mine on our earth that they did not have on their planet. And uh, so there's the story of Enki and Enlil where Enki and Enlil uh, are two brothers or relations that came or two sides of the same um, uh, ET race. And uh, Enki was the good one or the geneticist and the Enlil Um, was a a darker, more military, more focused on um, enslaving humanity so that this humanity can continue to mine. So uh, you all know these stories. But uh, one of the things that um, I want to talk about is how the concept of the two Enki and Antelope brother and sister, um, uh, the two brothers, were we can use that basis to think about the elements in the Bible. And for example, and is that where you wanted me to go, Robert? Is that yeah. kind of where you want me to go? All right. So um, with Enlil wanting to enslave humanity and with Enki wanting to save uh, humanity, uh, it was a, a war basically. And Enki discovered humanity Uh, has such high potential because he was being asked by his brother to make humanity's genetics and DNA corrupted so that they can remain slaves, so that they cannot be like us. Now, these concepts are in the Bible, the whole Bible, Adam and Eve story with the apple, um, you know, the permission that wasn't given for Eve, or for Adam and Eve to eat the apple, that that's where that story is kind of. It, you can overlap it in that space, where Enki would have been the serpent
1: in that yes, story, right?
0: Yes, and so Enlil um, basically was the was was the god, the god of Eden or or the the Garden of Eden. The so, demi-urge,
1: right? He's like
0: the, 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 the demiurge, right? The demiurge, exactly, exactly. So. So I believe that the Bible stories actually started at that point. And so um, since those times, there have been beliefs in most parts of Africa, and especially going down uh, the Nile Valley, which was the easiest way to transport to to move at that time. And so there's been a lot of rituals and ritualistic beliefs in those parts for many, many thousands of years. And so, um, yes, they they exist. A lot of them have been um, changed or erased due to different religions that have come in. But some of the rituals are still kind of ingrained into traditions, as well as some full-fledged rituals that are still happening. That I was uh, had the pleasure and the great advantage to to go and witness.
1: When you when you uh, saw these rituals happening, like, did you know that the time you, you might have not have known at the time that they were Anunnaki related? Like, how did you start piecing that together that, that, that this was something different? That, that, and and also. Um, well, wait, I'll let you answer that first.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah. So that is a really great question, Robert. I um I started connecting the dots when I learned that the Anunnaki, especially the faction of Enlil, they remained on Earth. They remained on Earth when, when those two, the, the two brothers had the war and Enlil won. Enki had left. He had left with by you know, by the way, he took a sample of original DNA, which we can talk about later on, uh, so he kept it with him. But when Enlil stayed on Earth, after that, uh, most of the Anunnaki went underground, meaning below the surface, because they are fourth-dimensional humanoid reptiloid reptilians.
1: I was just going to mention that I, I, in, in, your, in the African culture. And what's interesting is last night, me and you talked about Credo Mubwa, who. Um, you said that you had learned about him when you had heard me or, you know, um, but he's an African shaman. He was South African, but he believed that there was a reptilian overlord also. So it's like a confirmation to what you're saying almost, right? Yes, yes,
0: absolutely. I mean, it's the same root of the story that's pretty much went down south into from the Middle East, where the Anunnaki first landed, into this down the Nile. And at that time, all this, most of the Sahara was very green. So it was able to spread through human migration. And hence, yes, the different cultures all over Africa, mostly um, the indigenous cultures still carry some of the rituals of those times. Yes.
1: That's so interesting. And, and do you remember like what some of these rituals are? Or that, oh, oh, I know. I remember what we talked about. A lot of them are bloodletting ceremonies, right? And yes. Into the, the possession almost. So it ties yeah. them together, right?
0: Yes. So at, at this point, uh, I'm, I'm happy that we had a chance to chat yesterday because it. I want to bring up two things that may be confusing to a lot of people because it was confusing me. Um, there is the concept of the Anunnaki's that went underground. And uh, at some later point, they actually started partnering with, with the draconians, uh, the Mitra, the dark reptilians that were actually here, working with some with darker agendas. So, the Anunnaki my, um, partner started partnering with Draco reptilians, Orion Greys, those sort of beings. So, those are ETs. Now, what we tend to forget is we also have fourth dimensional beings like demons that belong to planet Earth. So those two, there's ET beings, not from Earth that are fourth dimensional, but there are also fourth dimensional beings that have a demonic tendencies from planet Terra. And so I think a lot of people don't split those two, you know, and, and angels, archangels, demons, all that hierarchy is really only linked to planet Earth.
1: Why do why do the demons exist in your in your um in your opinion?
0: The demons exist to balance for balance. They are entities and beings in and of themselves, and that is whatever they do is how they survive. So they exist in the general sense of things because they are created for balance. The universe is. A, a whole system of geometry and energy and frequencies that needs to be balanced. So it can't all just be light. We and need
1: it's duality pre- as well, right?
0: It's duality as well. It's a universal law.
1: That yeah. makes a lot of sense, that, that, that is, but it's still like, you would think that if we have some kind of like lo- loving creator, you know, I'm not religious, but you know, like if there's some loving creator, why would he let these entities kind of, roam free and possess people or like or what is the good forces or, or do you believe in angels too or question. yes
0: yes i do believe that angels exist i also believe in the concept of the demons but i i'd rather call them you know negative polarity beings versus and positive polarity beings because everything is on a spectrum everything um so we from our 3D perspective with the programming that we, we've had through religion, through academia, through social media, we think of demons as completely against us. What we need to always remember is we have a spark of God within us that the demons can't handle unless you let that opening in. So once we are aware of our own light, those demons can't affect us, but they can actually have every right to survive in this universe as any of us, because that is their reality.
1: Yeah. What, what I was thinking was they, they, they get into people's heads. And I think this is where we see, I've talked to people a lot about this and I'd love to get your opinion on it. Like um, when we get to see people with schizophrenia, like, isn't this, couldn't this possibly just be entities? Like.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, there's a lot of um, uh, ways that you can, Check. I mean, when people are open to the idea of exorcisms, I have seen uh, people get demons and entities, and that let's not call them beings, but darker, polarized entities off of them um, at exorcisms, basically through priests. And these are people that have tried and tried and tried to go, uh, you know, with their diagnosis and the and the medicine, and that never worked. So when they come to these kind of religious exorcisms, their life changes. I've witnessed many myself.
1: That's amazing. Um, so one person that you talked about, you sent me a video was this priest who was doing exor- he was doing exorcisms. Like what, why do you think, I'm trying to think of where to go with this. Like, because it's so interesting. Like how do you think a person ends up being possessed in the first place? And then they, how do they end up with this person who's doing exorcisms and. What are your... Okay.
0: Yeah, I, I, I understand. Um, I'll give you a little uh, kind of overview of the whole thing, because it's very unique to indigenous cultures and a lot of, uh, a lot of these sort of rituals are not publicized and tourists don't generally find these, this information unless you're from there because the language that is used is very local. So, this particular priest is—he's right now. Maybe he's in his seventies right now, but he has this particular gift where he's able to see uh, the waves of darker energy around people. He's a—he's been cleansing p- people in churchyards, and these some of these events are actually very free and open to the public um, in churchyards on Sunday afternoons. People gather to actually witness all these. Um, Beings, darker, polarized beings, being exercised out of people. Now, people don't change physically; they don't become physically changed, but their mannerisms change, have changed, um, and their uh, voices may change totally. And they have the actual person has no control over over their body. You can see them flailing around very, very um, violently. So this man, he commands these entities he's able to tell them to sit down to be quiet to and he talks to them and it's all videotaped all videotaped like hundreds and hundreds of videotaped as witnesses so he is able to see them and speak to them and cast them out basically when he speaks to them what's so interesting is these beings actually state all the symptoms that a schizophrenic has and that they're responsible for that That they they made that, that they spoke to the person, that they uh, make him uh, spend all his money or drink or get addicted to drugs or fight with his family. So they say that they feel good when the person is disturbed or the family is disturbed. Now, some of them get sent. They are sent from other people through a spell. There are a lot of warlocks operating underground in many parts of the world. uh, And they go to some of these wizards or warlocks and they tell the person, I don't want so-and-so to succeed. And this is his situation. And the warlock would say, bring me X amount of money and I'll I'll send one of my minions to take care of that. And they say that they were sent. They'll never reveal from who these demons when the priest talks to them but they do say that they were sent and they were sent through food they were sent through uh, a romantic interest they were sent through um, something that a person gave them as a gift they were sent through music so it's it's how the warlock locks in the spell so yes i see you have a question
1: (laughs) what makes me what makes me think is like we have like no We have no clue about this and how to fight it Um, in our regular, everyday reality. Nobody's used to these esoteric topics. So I think that's why we have a lot of maybe mental health problems going on in the world. Um, I think because people aren't accepting these esoteric topics. I think if people would be more open to this, then maybe we could come up with more answers because I think these beings feed off our energy. And I want to ask you, is this just the demons feeding off our energy or is this a bloodletting, these bloodletting rituals go to the Anunnaki or are the Anunnaki and the demons related? That was a lot, but I just want to.
0: Yes. So I, in, um, in explaining this, I want to separate the whole concept of demons, which is earth related concepts, and Anunnaki, who are ET, but in a different dimension, so these two being, these two entities, uh, according to my research, require different things, as in uh, as in offerings. It, the The Anunnaki just require a physical body to be taken care of, and the rituals around Anunnaki is a person will take on the spirit to uh, and promise to honor them either once or twice a year doing certain things and not it's harmful. Their
1: soul type thing. It's a, huh? So it's like selling the old, uh, the old like thing of like selling someone's soul. Like someone sold their soul. Yes, so
0: kind of yes, yes. So the Anunnaki just need a body to a host, which is how they have remained immortal. They take over, they basically clone themselves through bloodlines in a particular family and they get born from, parent to to child to grandchild so they did get passed on so when a grandparent dies that spirit jumps on and takes on the dna resonance of the child and then and so on and that's how they have remained in these families for a long time so they're not taking over a soul they're just host they're staying in a body so the person can can function properly but these Anunnaki spirits also require a certain amount of attention and only that particular entity will know what they need. So it's not clear across the board. Although the common things that happen is they do like alcohol. So they do require the person to either brew some local alcohol and share it with people. They do like a lot of um, perfume and a lot of you know, foods, it's around foods and sitting and drumming and a lot of um, uh, thinking and meditating on, on, you know, on that, on the spirit. So it's basically they require some sort of attention uh, at least once or twice a year.
1: That's so amazing. And does the person think that they're talking to a demon or do they, do they haven't, does the person know that they're being, uh, that their spirit is hijacked kind of?
0: So the person would know that there is another thing interacting inside their body that is usually calm. That is usually non, uh, they don't feel them usually, but except these times where they know there's something else in their body that can take over. But they're so these Anunnaki spirits that have come down through the generations they're not demonic, they're not always bad. They just need a body to survive. The demons I'm trying to get back to the question. The demons actually thrive and grow through the negative feelings and emotions that they can cause in somebody's body, so the cancers, the illnesses, the stress, the you know weird aches, uh, the uh, thing, many of those things, the schizophrenia. There's a lot of people with those diagnoses that end up having the quote unquote darker realities, or you know the negative polarized entities. And then when it comes
1: to like bloodletting, like ceremonies, like, you know, where um, there are entities, both Anunnaki and demons that want blood, right?
0: Right. So the the Anunnaki, what they require is the attention. Now, a lot of these warlocks in many parts of the world what they do is they don't just serve one type of entity. So they might have Anunnaki spirits that say that ask that they can align with, and they can also work with demons, but they, they usually give these instructions together. So the bloodletting what during the ritual I attended, a lot of people brought a lot of different types of cattle to a big, big field that was in a Valley and, I was wondering, what are all these animals for? But it turns out that the year before, these same people had come to that valley to ask the elders, meaning the actual people that are hosting these Anunnaki spirits at these rituals, really, the spirits are there. They uh, are coming back with their offerings. And so it's like uh, they offer a gift gift. To the Anunnaki, the bloodletting part is actually to benefit the demons because the demons l- like the frequency of animal, um, DNA blood, blood DNA,
1: and that that's what it goes, that's what this is all about. The bloodletting part is all about our DNA, right? And that, yes. and that even goes into ET abductions as well, right? They want our DNA as well,
0: I think so. Yes, yes, so yes, these rituals were really very interesting. Now, after the actual bloodletting part of the ritual the the meat was cooked and shared amongst all the pilgrims that were there there was at least 500 people there for three days for three days yeah
1: And, and do you think they know that they're worshiping like what we would call the Anunnaki do they have a name for them
0: they call them spirits so they don't call them Anunnaki and because many parts of the African continent has different kinds of languages. They have different names for them in their own different languages. But I haven't heard anything close to what we call Anunnaki. Um, It doesn't mean that there isn't. I just don't know of any. Uh, the, The Anunnaki rituals are interspersed within the cultural stuff with also the demonic things. So it's all woven into the into each other so it's really hard for people to to understand that they're worshiping in fact when they go to these kind of warlocks most of these people are very christiany and they go to church so this is just to fix problems it's not like a a regular worship they have not denounced christianity so they i find that there's a you know a a balance there somehow, but it's most clear,
1: of the people, it? yeah. So it's like who people who practice hoodoo. That's the yeah. same thing. Like I've, I've heard New Orleans. There's people that are like somewhat Christian, or you know, they'll go to church, but then they practice like hoodoo. You know, and then they'll they'll like they'll they'll have to have put a working like they call it putting a working on someone. They'll put a working on their neighbor if they. You know, if they slept with their wife, or you know, something like that. I'm just trying yeah. to, you know, whatever. But um, this this magic is practiced like alongside religion, which is very strange to me.
0: It's it's uh, going alongside religion, and believe it or not, in the the teachings in theology, when people actually uh, go through trying to become a priest, there are levels of the training in priesthood where. Uh, they learn the values the meanings and how to work with sound frequency because a lot of the chants are actually incantations and some of these chants the way their frequencies are if you, you if you learn it a certain way it's it goes towards the lighter spectrum of Of goodness. But then, if you twist it a certain way, you can easily learn what the patterns are to take it to the dark side. So, these priests in training are the ones that end up becoming unbelievably powerful warlocks because they first learned their training from the light side and twisted it to the dark. And um, they can put spells, but they use quantum. Entanglement. It's, it's the fascinating thing. And bloodletting is a quantum entanglement. Once the DNA has a frequency, uh, that's why a lot of people would re, you know, take a piece of somebody's hair or something, because the DNA, you can entangle somebody's quantum DNA wherever you are. Like, that's why how spells work.
1: I was wondering that I was I was because that, that, that's an old um, it's not a myth it's like if somebody wants to do something to someone they use something like I've even heard of people using like this is interesting they I've heard of people using a photo of someone which means to me that there's DNA in a photo if somebody hmm. can use a photo to do a well a working on a spell on that means that there must have there has to be some kind of DNA stored in that photograph what would you
0: interesting that? interesting yeah, I mean, image is another light frequency, right? So it may yeah. it may not be as strong as, say, uh, a hair follicle that has actual DNA, but I think there is a resonance to the image of the DNA. That's so, cool.
1: that's so interesting, right? I, I've never thought yeah. of that. But um, i was seeing where we could go next with this. Um, what I wanted to get into was maybe some. Did we cover all this yet, or is there anything else you wanted to cover on this topic?
0: Uh, well, a little bit about the Anunnaki ritual, and I think people uh, don't always understand that there is actually—it's not like a movement or anything. People, um, many people, are trapped in in these kind of rituals. There, there are warlocks and people that serve them, but the vast majority of people in those parts are not practitioners. It doesn't work that way. They usually go there to get help. So people believe that these magicians are effective, so they honor them, but it's not because they themselves are worshiping these entities. So the actual worshipers are pretty much the warlocks and the people that are actively working with them, but the vast majority of the population do not, are not active practitioners. So it's a little bit different than a, a religious kind of arrangement and organization.
1: And, and I was just going to ask you more about the Anunnaki going underground. How did we figure out that they, I mean, I've never heard this story before. That, that So they operate underground in a different dimension, you would say? Yes. In or- yes.
0: Yes. Yes, they they um, and these that information I have learned from just many different books, but mostly from ancient texts, uh, African texts that are in different languages, and um, they don't refer to them exactly as Anunnaki, but they do talk about beings that had come from the sky that ended up underground uh, in. In in what they call the space of uh, veils, the space of veils, or something. But these length, you know, the way it's translated is a little bit hard to. Um, the way I'm translating is hard because I'm I'm not a translator. These are written in ancient texts called Ge'ez. and geiz is very very close to Aramaic, and Aramaic is a really really ancient language. So a lot of that information um, has been restored in all those ancient. Text, but it's hard to, to translate into exact English. But they knew they had gone underground because of these texts.
1: That's so interesting. That's because so, I've, I've never heard this before. Like, and I've never heard of that that type of text before. Like that. That's so. This is all such interesting information. Um, let me see what I was going to ask you. We were talking a little bit more about like Jesus yesterday. Can, and we were talking about like genealogy. I wanted to get into that a little bit because we had a little bit of a disagreement on maybe what was the genealogy. Did you want to talk about that? Like, because what I thought was that uh, that Anki was maybe like the father of humanity and that he seeded, you know, like obviously like Thoth and Marduk, but then he also had human children, you know, and I thought that he spawned Adam. And then Adam would have spawned Noah. And, and then it goes down there. And that's what my genealogy table says. But I mean, you have a little bit different perspective of it, right? If you wanted to share that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the, when the Anunnaki came, there were already primates on earth. They came here to mine and the Anunnaki also needed slaves. So that's why some of the whole enslavement thing happened is because there was actually beings here. So that's why I felt like I don't think the Adam creation story fits with that because the Anunnaki came and there were already primates here. And um, Enlil wanted the primates to continue to be slaves to mine and Enki wanted to save the unbelievably dynamic and multidimensional DNA and not, and not um, tamper with the human genome. So, uh, So I don't know what Adam, what story Adam um, fits into with that. Yeah. yeah. Like the creation or the, like, I don't think the Anunnaki created Adam, but I think the Adam story, a creation of something, I don't know, um, happened during their time.
1: Well, it's also you you mentioned something that I thought was interesting that we have and I've heard this before that we have like twenty four different types of like E T species in our blood, right? It's oh yeah.
0: It's- Oh, yeah, it's not absolutely not just Anunnaki. I mean, the primates that were on our planet before the Anunnaki came, we've had so many different kinds of seedings on our planet. Um, the whole concepts of Lemuria, Atlantis, uh, Cro-Magnon, all the Inca, Maya, all of those different fantastic civilizations, including the Egyptian civilizations, have been um seedings and supported by different kinds of ETS. I don't think there's just one line of story that fits for everybody. So I think um, There were beings on this planet before the Anunnaki and when the Anunnaki came certain parts of the genetics started needed to be changed for slavery and um, so uh, I'm sorry, where was I going with this?
1: <laughs> we were just talking about the genealogy of like yes. who, who, who could have created humanity and the different races and stuff like that.
0: Yes. So
1: but, um, but also, you mentioned something interesting about Jesus. Like, where do you think his DNA came from? Do you think he was just like a, a like a like a fifth dimensional being? Or what do you think he was actually the son of what we would call God? Or um, what, what, what are your thoughts on Jesus?
0: I I feel that Jesus is um, a descendant of the line of Adam from the Adamic line. And the Adamic line, the original humanoid form came from the, the galaxy, the constellation of Lyra. So the human form, the form, this humanoid of two arms, trunk, legs that this form that we have started in the Lyra system and it spread all over our galaxy but I think the initial one that landed on earth the Adamic form uh, and Jesus is part of that lineage
1: yeah and you mentioned something really interesting about the uh the cross I don't want to say it I'll let you talk about it but the, the pictures of the cross um can you the, the, about the skull can you oh
0: oh <laughs> well, that was um in linking it to the story of melchizedek and and uh, if you want me i could i could discuss that is that what yeah, you're asking yeah, okay so, so i want to kind of just share that melchizedek was a man and from all the ancient studies that i have gone through and researched melchizedek was a man, he was born, and uh, he didn't technically die, he, he ascended, but Melchizedek was a person, and I could, um, and most of this information I got from ancient Ethiopian texts, because there is a lot more information in the Ethiopian Orthodox Bibles and liturgy than you could Ever imagined? These are way more books than in the, in that Bible um, than the Western Bible. So a lot of the information is missing. So Melchizedek was a man. He was a really mysterious, enigmatic, and a wise person. But his father was called Abba Melekan. His mother's name is Salamia. He had three boys and four girls. And uh, the, the text actually only listed the boy's name. The boy's name were Etal, Abu Melek, and Hamuel. And um, see, the name actually, Melchizedek, is an ancient ge'iz word, which means the anointed king or the king of truth. Melka means king. And Sadek means truth or blessing or holy. So Melchizedek was considered uh, a man. I mean, he was born in Ethiopia or somewhere in the southern part of um, Egypt and lower like Nubia or that part of the world. And that story is actually written um, in some in the text that is in Ethiopia. And it tells how how after the flood, after the great flood, Noah asked God, now what do I do? By the way, in the ark, Noah was carrying the bones of Adam. He was given through generations to keep the bones of Adam safe and that he was going to need to give it to somebody after the flood. So after the flood, Noah says, what do I do with these bones? And God says to him, take it, Um, send the son of Sam, Sem, S-E-M, to go get the son of Cam, the the, the tribe, and that person will know what to do with it. And the son of Cam, that was, uh, when the son of Sam, Sam went to get the son of Cam, that was Melchizedek that was brought up to the Holy Land to receive the box of Adam's bones, um to hold sacred until he was able to give it to Abraham later on and so the skull that w- that is at the bottom of the cross of the actual crucifixion of Christ is the skull of Adam because Jesus Christ was crucified on Golgotha which is skull hill and the if you see old paintings of the crucifixion images the, the old ones, actually, you can see a skull at the bottom of the cross that Jesus was crucified on, because that is the same hill that um, Melchizedek buried the skull, the same hill that Jesus was crucified on, but then, which is really interesting, is also the same hill that Abraham almost sacrificed his son Isaac. So, There is a lineage there, and the blood was supposed to drip from Jesus's body onto the skull because there is a DNA resonance to his past, his root, which is why I believe that Jesus was an Adamic root.
1: That's interesting. So when that blood drips onto the the, the skull, and, and there's pictures of this, right? I don't know if we, we, you mentioned this, but you told me, you told me to look up old pictures of the crucifixion. And um, there's actually pictures of, you know, Jesus, you know, crucified. And there's a skull at the bottom of the cross, which I had never seen before.
0: Yes, I, I actually emailed it to you today. I, I sent you three pictures, you'll see it. It's just regular paintings. But the old ones really have the skull at the base of the, the cross because the blood has resonance resonance to each other so it's basically a metaphoric illustration of the original seed that is the seed that's calling itself and connecting reuniting again
1: that's interesting. That's so interesting. So now I guess I'm going to go into um, I guess like frequency and like health modalities and tuning forks. So just a little bit, like because we were talking about that before the show. I thought that was really interesting. Like that, like um, that we because I was you know learning that we could heal through frequency, and I think a lot of people are recently. But like, what have you found? I mean, because you told me that maybe we should use tuning forks, like um, instead of maybe internet frequencies, like because they could be. Well, I'll let you tell about it. Could
0: you talk about that? Um, sure, sure. Now I'm by no means an expert. I've just used uh, tuning forks and and crystals to amplify uh, for the past few years just just a few years. But um, if we can find the right frequency for our bodies, I think that is the easiest way and the uh, most healthiest way to heal because. Everything in our body is energy. Everything has a certain type of wave. It has a certain type of frequency. Uh, but when we test these frequencies or these different these different wavelengths, these different uh, hertz for the free, uh, for the tuning forks we have to do it for a consistent amount of time and actually really be aware of the changes in our body. If we can't do that, it'll be really hard to find a cure, but uh, I must say, I started using a particular tuning fork and amplifying the effects of it onto uh, a neck problem that I had and it went away and I was facing um, a really, really drastic kind of surgery if it didn't go away. So I am a believer, but it really it took me almost five, six months to, to see a, a complete change of using these tuning forks with the crystal every day. But it's not for long. It's maybe for 15 minutes. I'll just tune it and hold it against the crystal against my neck and just kept the sound there for like maybe five minutes, not even that long. Sometimes.
1: What kind of crystal were you using? Quartz?
0: It's a quartz crystal, and I chose to use the actual Merkaba cut quartz crystal, so it's the energy gets balanced, so it looks like a a cross, like a, I mean, a a star, which is like a, an eight-pointed star, no, a six-pointed star.
1: Yeah, I know that, I've done the Merkaba meditation, like, do you, do you, do you do that as well?
0: Yes, yes, I do, yes, I do um and you you know is this the meditation that where you envision uh the bottom part spinning in a different way like do you yeah. spin yeah yeah that's do so that.
1: interesting and, and the I, I, I feel like these are real helpful as far as like like finding ways to heal but you were saying that maybe these like internet like frequencies could have been tampered with is that i mean like uh, what led you to this is it just because the dark forces are always trying to tamper with us or what um, what do you think about
0: that? I think that happens too the the dark forces and whatnot, but it's also it's also hearing from people that have been trying to use them and really going deeper. so I've just been doing a little bit of research and understanding that these some of the things that we get online could be easily manipulated so that it may not be doing what you are expecting it to do. Um, so, it's, it's a gut feeling. And these days I'm really trusting my guts and it's been working. So I'm sharing this information.
1: I agree. I agree. This is, this is all great information. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Like, while we're, I mean, we don't have to finish yet, but um, I just, I'm out of questions right now. But um, is Okay.
0: Anything? No, that was, that was nice. I was happy to speak with you. Um, I really appreciate your show you You get a lot of really unbelievably uh, interesting topics, and you ask really questions that uh, that all of us, uh, like I would ask. So I appreciate your show, which and I'm happy to have shared this moment with you.
1: Oh yeah, real quick, I, well, you talked about this yesterday, and I, I think it's something that I want to try to do is maybe get in a group together um of people like yourself and maybe a a couple of my other good guests that have been on here and start a panel weekly where people can get together and chat and share ideas share frequencies share remedies share health modalities share uh things that they're learning in history and and maybe i can make a show out of it every week and have a panel of people um, what what are your thoughts on that? It was your idea, right? It was, I, I, another lady D thought of it as well. D, you know, so it's it's not just you. I, people want me to do this. Would you be interested then, for sure?
0: I would love to. I think it's a great idea because, um, as I was saying to you yesterday, there's a lot of people, including myself, that that may not have written books or have not had a podcast or a YouTube channel, and and many of us have not ever been abducted. So we don't have contact information, but we do have a lot of experience and knowledge and wisdom that we've gathered gathered in different ways. And I was uh, basically saying some of us would love to share what we've learned in order to assist others on their path, because a lot of people may not have time to go as deep as maybe I have. Um, so I'd be happy to share what I know. And I think these kind of, um, panel talks would be great if they are specific topics. So, because when we, and if, and we stick to the topic, because then we can really discuss in depth and then that could be a record and a reference for somebody. And so if it's topic specific and really get a lot of input that way, then, um, I think it would be beneficial for humanity in general. And I think it's a wonderful idea.
1: I think this is amazing. I, I'd love to do it. And then I think we could all learn from each other. And 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 I think this is what helps humanity, right?
0: Yes. I think it's so important that we share this information because how I got started was being kind of feeling stuck in the space of religion and what My family and my friends were doing and thinking, well, there's got to be something different and something more. And so I started really trying to get deep into the different types of spiritual religions, just to uh, spiritual practices, just to see which one made more sense. And what I found and discovered is. There's just a lot of distortion in the information that we're getting, but there's a lot of wisdom in many, many parts of uh, the, the Christian, the Islamic, the Sufi, the Buddhist context. But we have to be open to understanding it in a metaphysical way that is useful. So that when I discovered that I can actually try to understand some of these christian or islamic topics or these religious topics in a metaphysical way it just really uh, gave me a lot of relief that i'm not abandoning the entire thing so i think it's that's how i think that there's a lot of people that are feeling stuck in religion but can't get away from it because of you know it's not allowed basically um and it might help
1: it's uh it's, it's ingrained in their um in whatever they think their reality is, they think they're trapped, right?
0: I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. You don't. Have, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, we don't have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. So I know a lot of people may be angry against religion, but some of those concepts are very old. They're very useful, and they are. A, there's a lot of wisdom that's uplifting, but we have to give it a chance and be able to interpret it. Within ourselves and find out what resonates within us and not what we have been taught to do or taught to hate or taught to disagree with, we really have to remember that we have power for our own discernment, and we are very powerful so if nothing makes sense, then move on, but don't hate it because somebody else hates it or tells you to hate it
1: that's that's really that's right I think that's great closing words i think that's it's a good place to stop off for today and uh yeah and i'm gonna i'm gonna try to do i'll get to be in touch with you i'm gonna try to organize this panel and uh i'm trying to think of who all to put on it if you have ideas you can send them to me whatever you want to whoever you think would be good um and and we can go from there but if you want to tell people um how they can find you um if you if you want to be found you know
0: sure sure (laughs) um so people, if if anybody's interested in contacting me, you can use uh, an email address, Eden Brown, E-D-E-N-E-B-R-O-W-N at yahoo.com. Eden Brown. And um, yeah, you can reach me there.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It was so nice meeting you. And uh, until next time. Thank you, Rob. All right. Have a nice night.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.